My name is Michael Adams, and I'm joined here by my co-host, John Rahimi. Que pasa, Mufasa? How are you doing? Uh, bien. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you translated that with English after, because I was very confused. Yeah, my that four- was a mix of Spanish and African, if Mufasa is African. Oh, true, yeah. You know, my four years of Spanish included a lot of Spanish that I didn't learn, but it also <laughs> included zero African, so that's just, you know, I had to I was going to be lost. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a good day here. Uh, Saturday, it's sunny outside for once, which is awesome. Uh, but yeah, this podcast is going to come out on the 18th, and you will have graduated. Yeah, I'll officially officially be an alumni of U of I, which is weird. It's real weird. Yeah, how do you feel about that? I'm excited. I got an email yesterday confirming that I actually... I'm going to graduate, so it was really great. <laughs> we were God. able to celebrate. And know, like, oh yeah, like, I actually did it. Uh, they're not going to tell me, "Hey, you have another year to do." Um, but no, I'm excited. It's it, it feels like it's time. You know, I'm ready for it now. Mm-hmm. And just the way the last year went, just I think it's just prepared me, and you know, I'm ready to go on my way. I think it's yeah. still scary. I loved college a lot. Definitely very attached, but you know, I think I think it's time, and you know, we'll we'll see what the world takes now. Dude, that's so sweet. Yeah, I was just thinking about this because, right, like we're we're both finishing at the same time. You're graduating, and I'm kind of graduating from a one-year program. But yeah, just like looking back on the on the year as a whole, I was like, oh, I want to like talk to Michael about this and spend a little bit of time looking at like, wow, what what a year it's been, you know? No, seriously, and for you, like now you're moving on to pre-theology in the seminary, and just yeah, the amount of growth and the amount of change that's happened in a matter of I mean, you could say one year, but you could even just say like the amount of growth and change that's happened in a matter of seven months. Honestly, (laughs) so much has changed. It's kind of wild. But it's funny how that timing works. And yeah, I don't know. It's been fun. You know, these last couple of weeks I've been finishing up like finals and homework, finishing up like my men's group and my Bible Mm -hmm. studies that I'm leading on campus. Um, And, you know, it's a weird thing to say goodbye to them and people who you've been so attached to for so long. It's a... I remember. But yeah, it's probably the thing I'm most proud of. Just you know, I'm excited to keep trying to figure out what that looks like in the future, and you know, that's why we're doing the catch. Hopefully, yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, I remember. Like, it is tough leaving all those things that you've kind of like grown into, and kind of you miss all these people and the ways that you've learned how to interact with them, and learning how to find new ways to do it. And it's just, it's, it's hard. But I mean, clearly, you've <laughs> you found a way here with this thing. So. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, I think we were writing, uh, reflections and like kind of evaluation papers for, for this year and just kind of different questions about like, you know, how you've, have you grown this way or this way? And it's just really cool to see you're like, I started in this place and in the course of like, yeah, seven or 10 months, I'm in like a radically different place, but it wasn't like this one moment that just kind of clicked and everything changed. It was like, uh, the image I had was like, if you're sailing, which I don't do, but as it has been explained to me, if you like shift course just a little bit, like by an inch, that could be miles of difference in your, in your destination. So it was a lot of like those little inch shifts. And then my destination kind of coming out of this year is like almost a new person. Um, at least I feel like I'm kind of totally changed in how I see things and how I kind of have a better relationship with God, with the people. It's just, it's been a beautiful year. 
Yeah, no, even from like an observational standpoint, I can see that in you. Um, I think it's interesting, like the the inches, you know, just like a little inch can cause such a huge change. And it's interesting to take time and like reflect on one, what those inches were, like what were those like minute changes that you made? Mm -hmm. And then even two, like, okay, here I am where I am now. Um, What is that next inch? Like, what is that next inch I need to go to? And like, what is that next observation that I can come to? Like, okay, if I set course, just this little bit differently, I know that I'll be able to get closer to my destination or I'll at least get to this new destination that I don't know what it is, but it's something yeah. fruitful and it's something beautiful. Yeah. So I was just like, that was a huge, a huge grace for me to see those things that God shared. And I'm sure you have like a bajillion different graces that you could share, but yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a great year. We won't bore the listeners with them, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've had some great men I've been able to mentor and some great men I've been able to lead in studies and uh, even just friends that I've been able to be in college with. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild seven months, it's been even more of a wild three months for me and just mm-hmm. small changes and little <clears throat> moments and the way they multiply has just been beautiful to see. Um, but yeah, nothing too, too crazy in my own head, but I know like from an observational standpoint, a lot's happened. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, it's just cool to see like the way God reveals things to us and, um, yeah, shares those graces even in the struggles and throughout different periods of our life. So I just kind of want to take a little moment to reflect because it's a it's an emotional time. Like it's <laughs> growing up for all those who don't know. He's a young boy, becoming an adult. I'm growing my first man. growing my first mustache. It's really a big deal now. It is a huge deal, and it looks great for anyone who is curious. It doesn't, but thank you, John. <laughs> Anyways, talking about revelation. Ooh, smooth transition. I'm all about these segues, dude. <laughs> I sit here like thinking for like the whole time, like how am I going to segue into this? Uh, but speaking of revelation today, I would like to talk about reading scripture. Oof, that is a beast of a topic, John. It's a huge topic. I love it. I mean, I fell in love with scripture. I think really, it took me a long time. I, you know, there's the whole stereotypical thing about Catholics that Catholics don't read the Bible or Catholics don't know the Bible. <clears throat> um, I'm not going to lie. I think I fell into that subject for vast majority of my life as oh, probably most people do. Um, but I kind of fell in love with it. My sophomore year going into my junior year, um, mm. Tanner Gazda, he kind of forced me to read Romans and do a study by myself on it over the summer. And, um, yeah, that kind of rocked my world. And after that, I remember coming back to school and leading my Bible study being like, oh, like I am actually excited to go prep my Bible study. Like I'm excited to go read scripture. And I was like, oh, this is new. I've never been excited about this. It's been something they kind of had to do. Yeah, seriously. Like the scripture is not like, if you've never like encountered it or your encounter with it has only been like Sunday mass where the reader is either like a 14 year old boy who's like awkwardly up there or like a 75 year old woman who's way too into it then you're, you're going to be not the most excited person in the world to go like, I get to read scripture. Yay. Yeah. It's not like they have Morgan Freeman up there narrating for us. <laughs> That'd be a lot more fun. I think that's probably why I fell in love with penguins. Cause he was, you know, narrating March of the penguins. And I was like, this is so cool. They're so awesome. This is beautiful. And I saw happy feet and I was like, this is stupid. Why did I like this so much? All right. Don't hate on happy feet. It was a pretty decent movie. Anyways. So uh, yeah, reading scripture. I think the the first thing to look at, right, is we have to kind of have a, a basis for for this because otherwise um, it's easy to get lost in scripture or not really understand how it applies to you or um, kind of 
push it off to the side, right? Because I think the easy thing is like uh, the church is beautiful and then it has so many different spiritualities that you can use, right? Like different saints who have a great prayer tradition. Like you have the Carmelites, you have the Benedictines, the Dominicans, Ignatian, all these different things, right? But what is not negotiable, what is not up for debate here is scripture. But I think a lot of people can fall into a trap that says, you know, like I have this way of praying or I have like this thing that I do. And, you know, that really makes me feel alive. Scripture doesn't. So yeah, scripture is not for me. Poppycock. Scripture is for you. (laughs) No, yeah, I think that's a, it's a tough trap. And I think we all, we often just all find ourselves in this of this aspect of prayer. It's like, okay, if I'm praying and it's not interesting or if it's not insanely moving or if it's not really like breaking me down to my core then like my prayer is just it's not worthwhile you know yeah if i'm if i have dry prayer or if my prayer like isn't interesting and fun for me then like i have a bad prayer life yeah um, i think it's a it's a really dangerous trap because you're just you know it feels like you're looking for that feeling like that's the only way that you're able to gauge like did i have a good day of prayer mm-hmm. um i think sometimes with scripture too it's just like we get in this caught in this routine and like this translation of just you know, I have to go read this. I don't really want to, or like, okay, maybe I'll read the Sunday gospel. And, you know, it sort of makes sense to me, but like, also this was wrote umpteen amount of years ago and yeah. it is very confusing to me. I have no idea what's going on and it doesn't really seem to apply to me always. You know, it's, they're talking about something just out of this world. It's like, okay, that just is confusing. And like, I'm living in 2020 right now. Like our world doesn't deal with that same problem. Yeah. So, no one's named Dorcas. Yeah, a lot of different names. <laughs> um, no, that's that's really true. Um, and I think two quotes that kind of come to my mind, both of which are from the Catechism, because the Catechism is awesome. But the, the first pretty one good book. is, yeah, if you haven't read it, go read it. <laughs> uh, the first one comes from the part on sacred scripture. And it says, the church has always venerated the scriptures as she venerates the Lord's body, which is a pretty challenging statement if you don't think scripture is that important, which when I read that, I was like, uh, excuse you, the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. How dare you? But you think about it, it's like we say that the uh, scriptures, the Bible is the word of God. And who is the word of God? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Nice. That's right. <laughs> a thousand imaginary points for Michael. Imagine if I would have gotten that wrong. Oof, that would have been a tough look. <laughs> They'd be like, okay, turn that podcast off. I'm going to go listen to something else. No, but that is a really important thing I think the church puts forward to us is that the Bible is the word and the word is Christ. So it is owed this reverence, this veneration. And that means if it is Christ, it's alive. It's a living scripture. It's not dead. So we can't just sit there and even though it's really easy to just think like that doesn't apply to me, I have no idea. Like, and allow yourself to be encountered by that, um, by that person who is God. Right. So, and the other quote really quickly was from St. Therese of Lisieux. Uh, she says, above all, it's the gospels that occupy my mind when I'm at prayer. My poor soul has so many needs. And yet this one thing Oh, wait. And yet this is the one thing needful. I always, I'm always finding fresh lights there, hidden and enthralling meanings. And what I thought was really beautiful about that was that she says 
it's the one thing needful. And I remember in the gospel of Luke, it's Martha and Mary, I think Luke 11 or 10, I don't know. But they're, they're sitting there and you know, everyone knows the story. Martha's running around busy and Mary's sitting there listening to Jesus. And then Jesus says, she has the one thing that's needed. There's only one thing and she's chosen the better part. It will not be taken from her. So that Teresa is saying, this is the one thing that's needed, right? And if the one thing that's needed, as we learned from that gospel passage, is Jesus being with him, then here's Teresa saying the one thing needed is the gospels, which is the word, which is the person of Christ. So here you go, a freaking baller saint, a little girl writing that being like, hey, this is the one thing that's needed, the gospels. Exactly. And I think it's interesting too when we imagine scripture being Christ, you know, taking on that living form. Because oftentimes growing up um, within the faith and like within the church, I think, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, what would Jesus do? WWJD. You know, we look <laughs> at Jesus, you know, like what would Jesus do in the situation? Or like, we can look at Jesus's life and like, okay, I want to be a good man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, follow Christ's example, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, this, we're in this constant mission of like kind of turning ourselves and becoming more Christ-like in our own hearts. And, you know, we can look to just praying through Jesus and praying to Jesus, but we're almost missing a dimension of Christ when we don't look at scripture, when we ignore scripture, we're missing this entire different dimension of him instead of just praying to him like we do sometimes normally. Yeah. And I think that gets at a really like uh, important thing about how we relate to people. Like if you, if, if we related to each other only by uh, I came and talked to you in the way that I wanted to talk to you, and then if you were like, oh, I have this like story about myself, this thing that happened from my past or something that I did that I think is interesting and I want to share with you. And I was like, I don't care about that, dude. Like, I just want to share what I want to share. Like the gospel is the life of Christ. Like, this is what he said. This is what he did on earth. So if we want to have a relationship with him, we should go and read what he did and like listen to his stories and listen to how like, we should want to know him in that way. So it's just kind of a very human thing. Yeah, a quote that comes to mind for me too, um, kind of going off that of, you know, we looked at Jesus of like, okay, what if I'm in this tough situation, I have this big decision, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. It's okay, we looked at Christ's life. Like, what would he have done in this situation? Or what did he do in like a similar situation? Um, and I think oftentimes as Catholics, like, sometimes we get so confused and we get in our own head of like, man, I have these huge decisions, like whether that's discernment or whether that's just really small, like matter of, hey, should I take this trip with my friends or not? Um, we get in these huge ordeals and some of these are worthwhile thinking about. Otherwise, other of them, you should just kind of make the decision and move on. Um, but like when we look at like, okay, what direction should I go with my life? Like, should I take this job or, you know, do I need to discern X, Y, Z vocation? Um, there's this quote that actually came from a Vatican document about uh, sacred scripture and it's from Psalms 119. Um, and it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, which is just a, it's a baller line, I have to say, but it's kind of going off that. Yeah. It's like, if you don't know where to go and you're confused of the next step in your spiritual journey, like, okay, I don't know how I should grow spiritually, or I don't know what I should do with this discernment decision. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're in those positions and you're stuck and you're like, you know, I've been praying for the last two months and I feel like I have no greater clarity, no greater vision of what I'm actually supposed to do. It's okay go to the gospels, go to the scriptures and like read those. Like Psalms literally says it like, if we believe that this is the word of God. So it's really straight there. Like if your word is true, 
like it is truly the lamp it is truly the guiding force and like it shows you that direction so if you're ignoring scripture which oftentimes i do we do oh well you aren't seeing the full picture of those decisions you're not seeing the full picture of like your path to christ yeah and i think just a quick plug for the psalms you're right the the scripture has like it has great stuff for us to to glean and to get from it but the psalms are this compilation of all of human emotion and experience like ups and downs middles everything like any thought you probably ever had it's in the psalms and written more beautifully than you could ever think of so and it's all in relation to god it's all relating it to god so if you're wondering like how do i give this to god or how do i invite god into this how do i encounter him this read the psalms they're awesome except for the ones that are like i will crush my enemy's skulls and all that stuff like okay we'll just skip over those ones i don't know if you're... I, mean, I mean you should read them but like just just don't do that in real just life don't do... like don't take that literally um <laughs> otherwise, that... otherwise john and i might get in trouble they're going to come back and be like okay john and michael you guys Here's the reason that Jeremy went out and started crushing skulls. Um, what do you have to say about that? Oh, bye-bye, seminary. Um, yeah, there's one that says, like, you must acquire the heart of a child. And everyone jokes, like, okay, better go find a child to go get that heart. So bad. Anyways, moving right on from that, probably getting into the topic a little bit here. So I wanted to look at uh, the church's document, De Verbum, which is the word of God. So this is how we view the word of God, but they have some good stuff about here. Uh, they say, it pleased God to reveal himself, to make known the mystery of his will. His will was that men should have access to the Father through Christ, the word made flesh. And this is just important, like right out of the gate, is to understand that like God wants us to know him. Like he wants that, that is his will, okay? so. And we have to do, this is kind of a cool thing with Catholicism and Christianity is that, right, even if there is a God, if you're like a skeptic or agnostic or atheist, whatever, even if there is a God, it is not a given that he would speak, that he would reveal himself to us. Like we can't take that for granted. Um, but right, we always say like, uh, God desires and um, destined us to be with him, right? That's God's ultimate wish is to have everyone with him. We always say that. Okay, but... Um, since we're fallen, right, we, our reason can get us to understand that, like, I believe that there is a God, right? We can, we can know that through our reason, but, uh, it's limited and we can't get to, we can't know that there's a Trinity. We couldn't know that. We couldn't know that God is father through our reason. We need help. So that's why like faith and reason don't contradict each other. The faith is only elevating and allowing you to have a fuller view of the reason, what you can know through that. So then God reveals himself so that we can receive him and we can be with him so we can gain access to him as the, as the document says. Right. So it's just kind of bringing in that whole thing of like, God wants us to be with him. Well, yeah, he wants it so much that he will to reveal himself to us, which is even, even more awesome thing. This is a whole study of theology called fundamental theology of how God reveals himself, which we're not going to get into, but there's a whole thing about this. So it's very important and it's really beautiful. No, yeah. Honestly, just hearing you talk about that, I've actually never heard that. So I'm kind of just sitting here a little mind-boggled. It's just like beautiful, you know, that we have a God that would actually want to reveal himself. Um, And where we have such physical evidence that he has revealed himself, um, like you can literally just Google search Bible and you have example right there, you know. Uh, It's kind of amazing how it goes out to play play itself out within the world. 
Yeah. And I think uh, the, the other tricky thing then becomes like, okay, so God revealed himself to us and then, okay, how do we look at this revelation? Right? So the fullness of revelation is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Nice. Like, two for like, two. Like second grade religion class where they give you a quiz and it's like, what's the answer of Jesus? And they're like, okay, a hundred points. Great. Move on. Um, the answer is always Jesus. So, right. A lot of people, um, especially in America and I mean now throughout the world, but there is a kind of fundamentalist view of revelation that says the, the word of God. So the scriptures is like the literal word of God, that God wrote it verbatim. So everything in scripture is like God's hand coming down like this humongous quill pen and writing out the words that we see on the page. Um, we as Catholics have a different view. Um, the more technical term for this would be nonverbal propositional, which is just a fancy way of saying that God speaks through men. Yeah, I, I know it's kind of interesting because I've, I've heard this complaint from a couple friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I ins- was kind of inspired to get into scripture because of Romans, but I remember talking to a friend about Romans and talking about, you know, you know, oh, like, you know, scripture is the word of God, X, Y, Z. And they're like, yeah, but wasn't it written by men? Like Romans was written by Paul. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I, I'm not really alive during that time period. I'm not a Roman. So why does this apply to me? You know, Paul's writing this to the Romans. He's not writing it to me. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the, the cool thing with that is that, right, Paul wrote it. And what this nonverbal propositional idea of revelation means is that right god speaks through men in human fashion and respects their human freedom and the gifts that they've been given so like for paul to write if you ever read paul he's a pretty like fiery dude uh, galatians 3 the first line oh stupid galatians <laughs> so like he, and then even through scripture you see different kinds of writing you see different genres of writing some are like po- poems epics um lists chronologies uh, and then parables, like these different kinds of forms of writing. So the, the human person has agency in like how they communicate it, but it is always what God wants. So there's this balance here. This is where the Holy Spirit comes and we talk about inspired scripture. God has inspired the author to write this. And it is everything that's written in scripture is precisely what God has wanted. Like not a word more, not a word less. Um, but yeah, I actually just, I was reading something about that last week about, you know, how accurate these scriptures are and how profound it is that like God inspired them because, you know, we could say like, Oh, there could be some form of human error in them Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's a human doing actual writing. It's like, no, like God inspired these to the point where it was perfect to the point where there is no more, no less. And it Mm -hmm. was exactly word for word what he wanted. Right. And there's a quick distinction of, right. We don't say the Bible is infallible. We say the Bible is inerrant. And the difference being is that if you say it's infallible, it says there are no errors in the Bible. Um, and then inerrant means that there can be no errors. So it's a fine distinction, but it means basically that if, when you say there can be no errors, that's inerrant. It's a more um, kind of responsive approach. So if kind of a dispute comes up or like, hey, that doesn't line up, then we look at it and we study it and go, okay, well, let's look at that. And then we figure out how it fits into the picture so that it's not an error. It fits in in a way that we haven't really looked at yet. But if you say it's infallible and there can be no errors, 
as soon as an error shows up, your whole argument falls apart because there's an error. So this is why we don't hold that. We hold that it's inerrant. Um, but anyway, getting back to Jesus as, right, he is the fullness of revelation. The person of Christ is the fullness of revelation, the word of God. Um, so, right, God revealed himself in the person of Christ most fully, right? He's revealing himself through the Old Testament, and then Jesus Christ comes at the incarnation, and that is the fullness of revelation, right? He shows us the Father. Father is in me, and I am the Father, and I will bring the Holy Spirit. So God wanted to reveal himself, uh, and he wanted to pass himself on in human ways, right? God became man, so through humanity. And then he wanted that to continue through humanity in the same way. Like God has his ways and he follows them. So he then passes on his word through human authors. So he's using humanity again to kind of continue his, uh, the passing on of revelation. There's no more new revelation after the apostles, but he continues to pass on what is there. Right. So scripture didn't form the church. It wasn't like we had the Bible and then we were like, Hey, let's form a church around this. That'd be great. It was the church wrote scriptures. Yeah. I think that's a really important distinction to know too. I don't know for me, I think it's always been important for me to know that this isn't just, we weren't wrapped around this. It was that we had this beautiful faith and from that beautiful faith, we saw the necessity and God saw the necessity to actually dwell among us. So personally, mm-hmm. I think you brought this up last week too of, or maybe this might've just been in the conversation, how when God died or not when God died, when Jesus died on the cross, um, one of the reasons that he could do this was after that death, he could then dwell within us and be within our hearts and he could be in every single person. Mm-hmm. He could be in all these different places at once. Um, you know, as a physical human being, you can't really be in two places at one time. Like I can be in Metamore right now, but I can't be both here mm-hmm. and in, Dallas, Texas, like that's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so by Jesus dying, like he's able to be in all these different locations and he's able to cater to every single individual person. And it's a similar mindset with me of like God giving us the scriptures. You know, he yeah. gives us this opportunity for each and every single person to individually know and ponder and hear his word. Whereas before when it was just the apostles and just the disciples, like they knew it and they heard it. And then it would have been, you know, we just trust, by word of mouth and you know it just got kind of passed down by one person saying this and one person saying that and by the time it got to us 2000 years later who knows what would be true what wouldn't be true but in reality god inspired them to put it all on paper so that we know what they said is true we know what they said was actually inspired by god it's just a cool way of knowing like the purpose behind it exactly right and then again like with the human fashion thing that like they would write it down and then it would because they're not all the same people right John isn't Luke and Luke isn't Mark and all this stuff. They're different people. So they emphasize different points. So it's like when you see something in like the, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see a lot of the same things, but you see some different things or same stories told differently, different words like, Oh, well, it's not the same words. It must be an error. It's like, no, they're, they're emphasizing different points, right? Because they're writing to different audiences. And this is gets into this whole idea, which is really important of the senses of scripture when we read. There are uh, two categories, right? There's the literal sense of scripture and there's the spiritual sense of scripture. Um, and I think a lot of us like to focus on the spiritual side, the spiritual senses. Uh, there's three of them. There's the allegorical, the moral, and the anagogical. I think that's how you pronounce it. I will go with that. Um, right. But uh, the allegorical sense being like recognizing the significance in Christ. So kind of like looking how things point to Christ. 
in scripture. So if you're, you know, looking at the Red Sea passages in Exodus, it's like, oh, well, that's a type of Christ's baptism. Uh, that's how we read that. The moral sense, looking at like, how does reading this piece of scripture tell me how to act justly, how to live a righteous and holy life, which is, I think, a lot of times what we do in reading scripture. Uh, and then the anagogical sense is looking at the kind of eternal significance of all of this stuff. So like, how does this point towards the end, like heaven, right? What is this telling me about the fulfillment of my life? Uh, these are all great and they're all very important, but the church has affirmed us and reaffirmed this, that the literal sense must always come first. Um, and this isn't like the kind of like fundamentalist reading of the Bible, the earth was made in six days. It says it in the Bible. Okay. Like hold your horses. <laughs> what they're saying is that the literal sense in what is written on the page, because the greatest temptation we have is to read scripture, to read a passage and come in being like, this is what I want to see in this. And we don't do this consciously all the times, but sometimes we're like, I want to get this out of scripture. Um, or I know I'm looking for this in here. So I'm going to find it out of it. And we ignore like actual words that would probably give us a richer insight or develop something new. Like we don't treat it as alive. We treat it as something dead that I project my own meaning onto. Whereas if it's a living scripture, if it's actually Christ, then we encounter like, what he's actually saying. There might be like one word that's like, makes you freak out and makes you jump back in your seat. You're like, whoa, I didn't notice that before. We had a professor come in, came in last semester to teach us the Psalms and we're reading and he's like, okay, what does it say? And I was like, well, you see, it actually says this really interesting thing connecting it to this. And he's like, no, it doesn't say that. What does it actually say on the page? And I was like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like a total idiot, but like read the freaking words. <laughs> They're there for a reason. No, yeah, I think it kind of reminds me of a habit that I've been stuck in at times. And a lot of people also do at times where it's like, I, I have this one feeling or I'm struggling with this one thing. So I'm going to Google search how, like, I'm going to Google search this emotion, like, oh, anger in the Bible. Oh, yeah. Like, Google search, like, these different emotions or these different things that I'm going through and look it up in scripture and be like, oh, yeah, this, this exactly pertains to my life. And, like, God wanted me to see this. It's like, okay, you just kind of you know, had some search biases, like you kind of just wanted to go find it yourself. Um, and in that you're like picking out one line of scripture and it's like, you're not getting the full context. Like you don't even know what they're saying. Like you're like, you just picked out one little verse and like, you have no idea what was going on before, what went on after. Like you don't know what actually is happening here. You just wanted this one verse to make you feel good about what you were thinking or feeling or this decision you made. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. And it's kind of like, sometimes we get in this habit of like, I want to, um, because we, we are, we can be selfish at times uh, and egotistical. We kind of go like, I want to see, you know, how does my life fit into the scriptures? So that me uh, versus like, how does God come? Like, how does he take that initiative to come into my life in the gospel? Uh, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. But point is like, don't be an ego, an egomaniac being like, it's all about me. And I just want to get what I want to get out of it. Um, which is difficult. I get that. Um, and it's a work, but this is why like having scripture as your foundation and your um, kind of source of life and prayer, which is what Therese talks about, is so important because it's a living encounter with Christ. It's a way to encounter Christ. And if you have that as your foundation and your source of life, you can give that a lot better. Like when you're in relationship with him and the scriptures, because they're alive. Um, Good. So we've talked about that. And I think just the other thing that I wanted to say was um, it's okay to read scripture 
to just read it. Um, I think a lot of times we get kind of wigged out. I've talked to some friends about this where it's like, spiritual reading takes me like six hours. I'm one of those people, but like, uh, it shouldn't. <laughs> um, if you're going to pray, if you're like doing a holy hour, or you want to go to the chapel or just, you know, spend some time sitting over like one passage or one line, that's really good. Do that. But it's also good just to read scripture like it's a story or it's like any other different genre. Like just read for the sake of knowing what's in there. Um, that doesn't mean you have to sit there for an hour like that one word stuck out to me. It's like you're not praying with it. You're just reading it. It's okay. Move through it. So yeah. there's that. There's two different ways of reading. It's honestly such an interesting story too when you actually take time to read oh, it. Yeah. Like we think of like the Bible as being kind of boring, honestly, oh. at times. And there's certain chapters of the Bible that are absolutely wild. Yeah. Um, just absolutely crazy stuff. And there's great storytelling within it. Um, I think one of my favorite ones to read is the second book of Samuel, like the story mm, of David. Really like it's just awesome. Like that guy is just a stud. And so just hearing, well, in parts of it is the other parts he's not. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go adultery here. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, just understanding that you can go there and like you can find stuff within scripture and like you can find it to be entertaining. You can find it to be like joy giving. It doesn't always have to be this big intimidating task of like, okay, I have to go read these five verses for the next hour and just yeah. pick them apart as hard as I can within my own heart and yeah. my mind. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and right. Like I, second Samuel, why is that not a TV show yet? I don't know. No, I do people. So they definitely should with. do something. Um, yeah. So right. Reading scripture is important and finding a good way to do it at the right time. And like what you're trying to do with it. Those are all good things. Uh, and one of the great ways the church has given us, which you can find coming soon on the catches website is Alexio Divina subtle plug. Big plug. But the, this is a really beautiful way of kind of praying with scripture and Pope Francis even recommends it in his, his first encyclical. But uh, basically it's four steps. It's fairly simple. You have flexio, which is reading. Then you have meditatio, which is meditating. Then oratio, which is the kind of speaking part, the prayer part. And then contemplatio, which is then the receptive listening part, listening to God and his response to you. So I just want to break those down super quickly. So reading, just a good practical way of doing this, doing Lexio Divina is get a passage. Um, if you don't want to fall into that trap that we've talked about of making it about yourself, Maybe just start with the gospel of each day because you don't have a choice in what that is. It's there. I think for me, when I first started doing Lexio, I was like, I can't do Lexio because I don't know what to read. I, yeah. think it was, I think it was Father Chase is like, dude, just just read the Sunday gospels. Like, or if you want to do it every day, like just choose the daily gospels. Like exactly. the church provides you with scripture. Like it gives you the option. Like don't try to make it so perfect. Where it's like, I have to find the perfect scripture for today. It's like, no, just read the gospel that's given to you. It'll make it easier. And you'll still get something out of it. Like, it's not like you're just going to go there and be like, oh, this doesn't apply to me anymore. Like, it's not how it works. No, Holy Spirit's there. Um, right, so uh, get a passage. If you're doing this like once a week or every day, just look at the gospel. It's, there's tons of stuff in there. Um, some will be more challenging than others, but stick through it. So, right, read, read the gospel once. Just kind of read through it just to get the kind of sense of what you're reading as if it was a story. And then take a moment to kind of pause, let it sit for a few minutes. And then go back, read it again. And then this time, uh, kind of take note to what part is standing out to you, whether it's a word or an image or a phrase, a couple of verses, whatever, um, which is helpful to kind of note, like, where is the spirit moving me in this? And once you have that, um, 
you take time to meditate on that, kind of repeating that word or phrase, letting it kind of mull over in your head and trying to pay attention to the thoughts that are coming up in you or your reactions, your emotional response to it, especially if it's like a more vivid scene in scripture. Uh, it helps maybe to put yourself in the place of one of the characters or as, as Jesus even, um, or imagine yourself kind of just in the vicinity of seeing what's happening and how you are reacting to that. So if you're thinking something or you're feeling something, try to relate that to God. Uh, and the whole time, try to let go of the preconceived notions you might have going into this being like, oh, I've already read this scripture before. I know what I think about this. Like, no, the spirit can do things and the word is alive. It's a new encounter. So it's important to do that. And then uh, step three, the oratio, the prayer response, then you, you've taken this stuff, right? So kind of like the psalmists do, they have their feelings and their thoughts, and then they then relate them to God in words. That doesn't need to be this you know, beautiful prose that you've written out, but kind of the way scripture is, like it's from the human person using their gifts and the way they want to write it in their freedom. You have the freedom to respond to God, right? God delights more in your genuine response than these elaborate words and what sounds good. Like, no, that's a little garbage. Respond to God how you want to respond to God and what's being given to you in that moment. Um, so be very honest, be very vulnerable and humble in that God wants that from you, right? His will is that he's revealed himself to you and he desires to be with you. So trust in that. Spend a few minutes doing that, maybe five. And then once you've kind of gotten that out, it's the time for contemplatio, the contemplation, which is just trying to rest and be silent and receive God's response, right? And that's not going to be like this void of any, of anything. It could be. But what that means is allowing God to speak to you. So thoughts might come up, a new thought might come up, a new insight might come up, or just a feeling of joy or peace um, or an insight to action, whatever that might be. But just trying to listen to that response from God and be thankful and grateful for that uh, in humility. And then, yeah, close with a, a prayer and you've successfully done Lexio Divina. Easy enough, right? Easy enough. <laughs> now, I think just to emphasize that last thing really quick, just the importance of giving time of silence in your own heart and not projecting your own self onto God. That last point is sit there for five minutes and just let whatever God brings up in your heart, let him speak into it and let him actually speak into your heart what he wants you to hear and what he wants you to receive. Just, it's an overlooked important part. Nothing else to say about it, but I just wanted to plug yeah, it. So true. That's awesome. And if you uh, forget what we just said, or you don't want to listen to this anymore, uh, you can look on the catch website. There's a page de dedicated to these steps and you can kind of read through them uh, and it'll help, it'll help you get through it. We even have some, we even have some uh, recommended scripture. Uh, some of our, some of our personal favorites on which Lexio passages that we really like. So check them out. Let us know what, we th what you think. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's, I think that's all we got, right, John? It's good stuff for today. Perfect. All right. Well, everyone, well, thank you for listening. Again, we'll be praying for you. Please pray for us. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, or you just want to talk to John and I for fun, feel free to reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. Um, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you guys later. Adios. Bye-bye.